You're listening to the Utah Man Podcast, bringing you the latest news and analysis for your Utah youths. Now, your hosts, Cameron, Ryan, and Scott. Welcome on into the Utah Man Podcast. On this episode, we're looking at the offense. I'm Cameron, and we got Ryan. Hey, Ute Nation. And unfortunately, that's kind of me. No, we do have Scott back. I know. Hey, welcome back. It's good to be back, much to the chagrin of you two. It was fun to talk last time, right, Ryan? It was. We got a little bit more to say than we usually do. Yeah, you know, did you, did you guys have to like call in sick the next day? <laughs> Drink some warm milk to soothe your throats after all that talking? Because so our voices aren't used to it. We were worn out. So if you Amateurs. If you didn't catch it last time, Ryan and I talked to Brett Ciency from Pick 6 Previews, uh, really dove into his reasoning on why Utah could be a playoff team. Uh, we have some interviews up from first week of camp up on our site, um, and as well as we did a defensive preview a few weeks ago. Uh, now we're going to be diving into the offense. But before we get into that, we'll kind of like, let's bring up to speed on what's happened uh, the last couple of weeks with Utah, as I'm sure everyone's aware, Manny Bowen's no longer with the team. He isn't? <laughs> I guess he had a business opportunity, is the way they're phrasing it. Uh, came out, what, two days before Camp Cook Qualtrics. I'm, I'm breaking news right now. Qualtrics was the one that hired him. It was Vivint. Uh, it could be. They're BYU guys. They probably don't want him on the field. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. <laughs> he got the Dave Rose package, apparently. <laughs> but, I mean, we so we obviously on the defensive uh, preview show, we talked a lot about Manny Bowen. Uh, just quick reaction, because I know it's kind of been the news already, but first reactions that you guys had with Manny Bowen um, not on the team. My initial reaction, I was upset, because I was like, everyone was, everyone's been hyping this guy up since he got here. Uh, talking about how great he looked in spring ball and then find out basically the day before camp opens, two days before camp opens, that he is no longer on the team. That's disappointing. But, you know, as time got, as time has gone on, I think it's pretty clear, at least the, from a team standpoint, they're, they're pretty comfortable with the guys they've got there. They're moving on. Moving on. They're moving on. Yeah, I... You you could tell the coaches were not happy about it. They were saying the they were saying what they had to say and towing company line there, but you could tell they were not happy that he sprung that on them last minute. I mean, once they got him, they kind of shut down the recruiting uh, for that need, and so he really kind of hosed the team uh, being that late in the process to to change his mind, which he has the right to, and uh, you know I hope it, hope it works out for him and. Now he just gets to watch us win a win a Rose Bowl without being a part of it. So hope he enjoys that job. Boom. Mic drop. <laughs> I'm back. And then some news that came out um, as well. Utah schedules a home and home with Arkansas. The Razorbacks. I'm excited. I like it. I mean, granted, it's like 12 years away. But does it replace the BYU game? <laughs> and, and 12 states. But... Uh, <laughs> No, it'll be good. I love it. Again, you get a team that we haven't seen really ever travel to a part of the, the country, SEC country. Well, I think this is the first SEC team to play in Rice-Eccles. Yeah, it'll be it'll be big. And, I mean, you know, they're not a, you know, probably a national power, but uh, they're still a big-time big, big time program that, uh, you know, it just brings something different to Rice-Eccles that we haven't had. So 
it's a step in the right direction, you know, not getting the Weber States and the South Dakota States and, you know, getting a, getting a good program in here. And uh, it probably wipes BYU off the, uh, off the schedule for that year. So all those who uh, have been anxiously awaiting that, uh, that moment, uh, you're about 12 years out, but uh, it's, in, it's in the scope at this point. <laughs> It'll be exciting to see Britton Covey's son play. <laughs> So it'll be years uh, 2026 and 2028. Uh, so it, it's funny that Whittingham was asked about it. Uh, he said he'll probably be golfing in Maui when that game's kicking off. Oh, did he really say that? <laughs> oh, I missed that. That's funny. <laughs> he did. Well, thanks for belling on us, Kyle. <laughs> Jeez. Dedication. First, first SEC team to play in Rice Eccles ever, and you're going to retire before we start. To- Isn't wouldn't he still be under contract at that point with his uh, like uh, kind of figurehead AD yeah. position? Yeah, you, yeah. you can't be in Hawaii if you're on payroll. His Get ad- in here. His advisory role of like ten percent. Yeah, it's a pretty yeah. good gig. That's a, but there's no vacation gig. days during the season, <laughs> Kyle. He just wants out before Urban comes to USC. Maybe Urban returns. Ooh, I like that better. <laughs> that'll give that'll give Urban enough time to clean up his act. You know, go go uh, say a few Hail Marys, uh, Santa Marias, cl- cleanse his uh, cleanse his uh, his past a little bit. Gets get in the good graces and then return to Utah. Can I get an amen? Amen, brother. <laughs> All right, so let's look in this offense. Andy Ludwig returns home. Something, Scott, that you said right when this hire was made, the curse has been reversed of Utah's OC by making everything right again with Ludwig coming in. Wait, we reversed the curse long before Ludwig. Fernando Fernando reversed the curse. (laughs) Okay, yes. Last season we did have Fernando on that reversed it, but maybe that's him reversing it brought Andy back. It put put in motion the uh, the return of uh, Andy Ludwig, which... You know, as time has gone on, I know early on, you know, Utah was in the running with the names of, uh, of Steve Sarkeesian, Rich Rodriguez, Rich Rodriguez, who uh, was pretty much a uh, ballpoint pen away from uh, being our next OC. Um, and, well, until somebody else got involved. But nonetheless, I love the, the higher, you know, we're, as, as time has gone on, as we've gone through spring ball and now into fall camp, you hear what the players are saying about Ludwig. The fact that fall camp is closed. Nobody is being able to watch what's going on. Nobody's leaking information down south. I love the higher. I, I think uh, I'm actually excited to watch a Utah offense this year. This is really the first time in a long time that you know, we've sat here and talked about offenses and try to get try to hype ourselves up about what's the potent the potential of what we could possibly see. But in reality, it's always been disappointing. <laughs> but but I'm but this is I think you're right. I think this is something to get excited about. You know, I I agree with you, Ryan, because I've been in that same boat every year trying to sell myself on on this OC and and, and what we're hearing. I went back and looked over Andy's career, what he's been doing. He's had a lot of success, no matter where he's been. Right at Wisconsin, they're scoring 34 points a game, racking up almost 500 yards a game. Phenomenal. I think the biggest thing that got me excited, though, was looking at what he did at Vanderbilt. 
When he got there, they were averaging 12 points a game. When he left... Oh, so like the A-Rod days. Exactly. When he left, they were up to 28 points. And I know that's not a, a ton. 28 points isn't a ton, but, especially in the... But, in but that the is the SEC, SEC Vonta defense. Yes, with Vanderbilt. But if you look at it, going from 12 points to 28 points in three years, <laughs> that's a great job for a coach. Mm-hmm. Their yardage... Almost over a hundred yards more a game on average his last year than their than his first year, and I think you know we talk about Andy coming home. I mean he coached here in '08. It's been over ten years since he coached in Utah, and I think in those ten years he's look, just think about what he's what the knowledge he's gained from being all across the country, having to be in tough situations. Being in situations like Wisconsin, where they're ex- an established program, they have a mantra of what they're going to do and run the ball and, and pound it on you. Going to a place like Vanderbilt, where there's no tradition, that's what's getting me excited about it. I talked to Guy Holiday the other day at practice, and he said that he likes this offense more than what they ran last year. Gets me more excited about it. Devontae Henry, Cole said the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Shelley. Tyler Huntley, I mean, added to the list, you pretty much every guy that's asked the question about this offense, you're not hearing anything. I mean, not that not that these guys are going to come out and say anything negative anyways, but, I mean, they're, they have no problem throwing Mr. iPhone under the bus because they, they're, they are so excited to play in this offense. And you keep hearing it. It's, it's a downhill power run. So it's, we're going to get away, I think, from a little bit of the gimmicky that uh, – to an extent, maybe got us in trouble at times in the past, and just do what Utah does best is run the ball and just take it right at them and play action over the top and and take advantage when you can through the passing game. And really, this is what Wit has wanted all along. He's wanted his stingy defense with a run-centered offense that has ball control. It only took him eight hires to do it, but congrats. <laughs> so maybe maybe it's all coming together. No, I mean, it's it, it really kind of is coming together. And this is, I mean, it's the pairing that, you know, obviously it got Utah to, to the Sugar Bowl, um, led, the, led the Mountain West top one or two in the, uh, in the Mountain West offensively um, while, while he was here at Utah originally. So... He's proven it. He he's gotten better, and uh, I I just I just think we're gonna see something pretty exciting this year, um, offensively. That uh, this team this team is gonna produce. They're gonna use the tight end. I mean, at Vanderbilt, the the leading receiver was the tight end. So you're you're going to see Cole Fotheringham. You're gonna see Brant Keithy, um, the transfer from SMU. His name escapes me at the moment. Tedford or Thedford. Thedford, something like that. Yeah, but there's Thedford. There's been some some good talk about him too. His his not only his catching, uh, his pass block, pass blocking. No, and 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 he 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 fills kind of a pivotal role since we lost uh, Jake Jackson last year, who was kind of more of that blocker, a blocking tight end. So. It uh, as we jump into kind of each each position breakdown here, it'll be exciting. But uh, I, I think uh, I think this year, um, when you match this offense w- with this defense, I don't think we're going to be biting our nails all that often in the fourth quarter this year. So let's get right into it right now. So the quarterback position, 
obviously Tyler Huntley coming back for his senior year. I uh, got injured in game nine, but he was having a really good season up to that point. Kind of started out a little bit shaky, as we know, but last four games, he was 70% or better on completion for each game. Finished the season 12 touchdowns, six interceptions. Jason Shelley came in, carried Utah to the Pac-12 championship game with wins over Oregon and Colorado, and then transferring in Cam Rising, who, if you haven't heard, is not eligible this year. But having Huntley for a senior year, I, I expect big numbers out of him. Well, I mean, a three-year starter um, and any any senior quarterback that has any experience coming into that senior year historically produces at a pretty high level. I mean, if if you look back um, just historically, even at Utah, when we've had a senior quarterback who is has prior experiences, have done really well. And and this is Tyler's time to shine, right? He, He's got to stay healthy. He's bulked up about 25 pounds of good weight, as, as Kyle likes to put it. And that's going to be critical to keeping him healthy and staying on the field because this is it. He's He's got to produce this year. There's there's pressure on him to get the job done and to do it at a high level and, and at the same time protecting his body so that he can stay on the field because as good as Jason Shelley is as a backup, well, I'd I like think, to see him. I on, think a lot of that sideline. I think a lot of that's going to be on Ludwig and what he's calling. I don't think you're going to see a lot of designed quarterback runs, and we didn't see that in spring, right? I mean, we saw more with Shelley um, than Huntley. I'm not saying that they won't do it or they won't run an option out of it, um, but I think maybe Ludwig, with having that experience, I mean, you gotta you gotta reduce hits on him. And, and and I think they will, but, I mean, Kyle said that's one of his strengths, so they're not going to completely take it away from him. Exactly. I mean, you can't shy away from it. You got, Right. You get, One of his strengths is running the ball. You can't take that away because that only helps the defense. But if you can limit his hits, you know, teach him a little bit better techniques at sliding, getting out of bounds, I think that will help. Well, and, and the fact that we're you're going to see a lot of snaps under center you know, th- that takes a little bit away of the designed runs, um, you know, out well, of Well, maybe center. we'll see a little naked bootleg come back. Just like uh, Jake Plummer. Just like a uh, little John Elway back in the day. Yeah. Gotta love a little naked bootleg. Who doesn't? As we take a step back to running backs, obviously Zach Moss is the guy. He's kind of the face of the program. He's my breakout player of the year. Knowing you, Ryan, probably would <laughs> go with that. Ching. <laughs> uh, but he's coming off of a, a season-ending injury. Uh, but so far, you know, what we're hearing is he's back to full strength. He's not allowed to sleep in a bed. <laughs> a bunk they, bed. They, they make him sleep standing up. Seat belted to the wall. Um, they have five players lift him into bed every <laughs> night. <laughs> One thing I, I will say, though, about... Zach and and the approach they're taking with him, which I think is a great approach. Uh, Kyle McDonald said that Moss still has to get this offense down, even though he's getting all these accolades and recognition. He they're not treating him like anybody differently on the team. He still has to learn his assignments to get playing time and and get the reps. Obviously, I know that's a lot of coach talk. He's gonna get that. He's gonna be the number one guy. I mean, does anyone believe he's not gonna be the starter? But I like that they're at least still wanting him to work. And I like that approach well, and with it. He's, he doesn't come across, and he never has, as being the this prima donna who doesn't want to work. I think you can tell by the way his body has transformed over his time here at Utah. He 
he knows how to put in the work. Well, re- regardless of how good he is and how proven he is, he's you gotta you gotta keep him you gotta keep him sharp. So he's got to be going through. He's got to stay. Uh, he's got to stay. Uh, you know, practicing the pass protection, which is a big part of being a running back. And uh, so, obviously, yes, you want to keep him healthy and and not uh, not have him go down to something silly, you know, in fall camp. But um, yeah, there's 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 no doubt about it. He's gonna be he's gonna be your feature. And you're gonna get a, a whole face full of Zach Moss. Let's just put it that way. So I think really the big question mark with the running backs with Zach Moss, you know, having that number one spot is who's gonna be the number two. I think obviously the natural choice is Devonta Henry Cole, uh, just because of experience that he's had. Um, Amaran Shine left the program, so there's really kind of a wide open gate, I guess, for that for that second team reps, if you want to put it. Um, just throwing out there, who do you guys who are you guys feeling or thinking there are to have the chance? So many guys in the running back position that have that we've seen that has potential and. At least one, that, well, more than one that we haven't seen. Uh, you know, there's all this talk about how great Jordan Wilmore is. I think I think Kyle Winningham dreams about him. And I, <laughs> I'm telling you, Wilmore got a lot of talking during spring ball and wasn't even on campus. Yeah, he he's going to get his opportunity because obviously Winningham likes what he sees in him, likes his potential, and obviously he's got to earn he's got to earn that opportunity. I think I think game one, uh, Devonta Henry Cole is going to be your number two. Um, T.J. Green to me is the mystery of this of this running back core because I mean at times last year he came in when the offense was sputtering and and sparked it with his ability to make the edge, his speed. He's not the most uh, fluid runner, and you know, he's kind of a one of those long striders. And uh, but when he gets going, he's got great speed. But uh, I'm I'm a little surprised we're hearing literally nothing about him, and he's not being mentioned by by any of the coaches. Um, you know, I don't know if this is maybe there's a position change. He's going to be used more out of the slot potentially, or maybe more in the run game versus, or excuse me, in the passing game. But uh, that that's a surprise to me in with the depth that we got. You've also got Brumfield, who saw some action last year. You've got Mika Bernard, who is brand new to the program, but has, a, uh, from what we've heard, a lot of potential, a lot of hype around him. Uh, there's no shortage of talent at the running back position. Yeah, I mean, Whittingham even said he thinks this might be the, the most depth they've had um, in quite a long time um, at the running back position. So, yeah, it will be interesting to see who will be that kind of number two guy. Um, obviously, I mean, Zach Moss is a, is a beast, is a monster um, but really, at this at this level of football, you kind of need to let him get some rest and, and get someone else to kind of take, you know, what like five to eight reps a game. So well, my my question with Zach is is what's the number this year? How many carries is he going to get per game, and what 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 uh, total yardage are we going to get out of him this year? Finished just uh, a little over eleven hundred yards last year, missing the last. Only played nine games. Played nine so games. So missed the last three games. Can he get now? He'd have to stay healthy. Could he get to two thousand yards? I think the potential's there. I mean, I think it depends on how they use him and how you know how many yards per carry he's. I mean, two thousand is 2000. astronomical. That's, it is. Uh, it is. Well, it in, is. A, in a twelve-game season, that's huge because there's only a few it's, players it's that have video done it. game numbers. There's only a few players that have done that in the NFL yeah. in sixteen games. 
But but my point is, he's going to. Is he going to get enough touches to produce like that? Assuming he stays healthy, I don't think you want him that getting that many touches to get that. As much as he's a great running back and one of the best in the country, you still want a balanced offense. And and Whittingham harped on that this week that you still got to be balanced. Uh, Guy Holiday um, spoke about that. That yeah, they might be a power run team. Um, a pro set team, but you still have to throw the ball. You can't just line up and run it every single down. Well, of course, and and I don't think you're going to. But how many quarters? How many halves last year did did uh, Troy Taylor literally forget Zach was on the team and still ended up every with 1100 yards? It, well, every he forgot about him every game. And so you're I, you're not gonna. I don't think you're not gonna see that out of out of Ludwig. Now, yes, will there be stretches where maybe the the passing game's working and they're gonna just they're gonna go with whatever's working? I think I think you're gonna see Zach more than maybe we anticipate. Well, the numbers will the numbers will pile up if he's getting six or seven yards a carry. Yeah, well, I mean, well that that's that's uh, that's pretty high. That's that's to way average high. like that. But, but he averaged six point one last yeah, year. He averaged six last year. He ended up. 121, almost 122 yards a game. I think, I think we have the potential to see him have a pretty historic year at Utah. I think 1500, if he stays healthy, he'll get that easily. 2000, man, that's I don't know, that's be awesome, but that's crazy. Okay, so 12 games. So let's say, okay, we're picking 1500 is the goal for for Zach this year. And this is just rushing. Just rushing. Okay. I think you're going to see him out of the backfield. I think you're going to see a lot of these. And, and, and that's what I wonder is you're going to see TJ Green, I think, out of the backfield. Because Ludwig throws the ball to the running back. He's done that everywhere he's been. So you are going to see that. So maybe some of these running backs, they're not going to get as many carries. But they're still going to be involved offensively through the passing game. You match 1,500 yards on the ground potentially with Zach Moss. What does Tyler Huntley need to do next to that? I mean, last year Tyler he played he played in what nine games as well, twelve touchdowns, six interceptions. Not bad. I mean, not gaudy numbers by any means. Uh, just under eighteen hundred yards. I I think this year I think you're gonna you've got to see a step up. Twenty five hundred. I think it's doable. If if you get twenty five hundred yards out of Tyler Huntley, fifteen hundred out of Zach Moss, where does that put us at the end of the season? At the top of the Pac-12, that puts you in Santa Clara. It, 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 it how does it not? Oh, especially with the defense, because that's the thing. When you're throwing out these numbers, you're talking about just an offense that's being pr- very, very productive. So if this, if that's the case, they're putting up those kind of numbers. Those, ideally, those are turning into points. Well, they're not turning into field goals. Well, we, we've we've seen we've seen teams we've seen Utah teams that have done spectac put up spectacular in between numbers the twenties between the twenties and then choke inside the twenty. Well, that's why A Rod essentially lost his job is because he he moved the ball, but we got in the red zone and were absolutely atrocious. And I don't see that happening with this offense and the caliber of, of talent there is. Of- I think this offense is going to be actually pretty potent in the red zone. Because you always hear it, right? You get in the 20s, the field shortens, 
And you had Mr. iPhone trying to outsmart everybody through the passing game, which really was was never our strength. And now you've got Ludwig, who's just gonna he's he's gonna pound the ball. He's gonna utilize the passing game to his advantage off the run. I I think we have a pretty good chance to be really good um, in the red zone this year, just based off the fact of how we're gonna play offensively. Well, and going back to my my comment about how how does this convert to points? I think for years we've heard the coaching staff, and I think Wit mainly, if you can get to thirty points, you can win games in this league. Will you put up those kind of numbers? Thirty points is pretty attainable before halftime, folks. I, th- I think well, the hype train's I mean, coming. I, I mean, you guys are, are hey, deep in the Kool Aid right hey, now. Hey, do we do we I still have the mayor's hey, phone number on, on speed dial? I, I didn't say before halftime. That was Scott. <laughs> I hey, I'm all for Kool Aid, but I I'm not quite as deep as you guys in it. Hey, I think it's it's going to be better. Three three it, podcasts it, it, ago, I told you I was already submerged. It's going to be better. They're going to be able. They should be putting up more numbers. Better stats uh, with a senior-laden team that they are this year with a more experienced OC. I think that's another issue we haven't talked so, about this one, but having the passes, we had a, an o, Utah had an OC that was still learning how to be an OC with with mm-hmm. Taylor. Now you have a guy who's who's seen it. He he's been there. He he's seen it all. Well, you so just jumped you, in the deep you end have the, there. No, and, and, no, you have the recipe so, for success. You have the recipe for success. I'm not. I'm so I'm agreeing with you in that point, but I'm backing off just a little bit. It, okay, those so, are high numbers you're talking about out of a, a Whittingham offense. It, at the so end of the day, the I don't recipe, care. I don't care what. I don't care if it's fifteen hundred or, or two thousand. I just, I just want them to win. Hey, hey, do you guys, well, ever, you guys ever watch the kids baking championship on <laughs> on uh, uh, the Food Network? Food. Free free ad for the Food Network, by the way. All you need is a recipe, and these kids can get the job done. All right, you just stated all of these specifics, all of these positives from talent to the experience to coaching. You've got all of these positives in place for this year. How is it not? How is it not going to be prolific? Because it's Utah. Oh, that's oh the God. only thing that holds me back. You are. You, <laughs> we you, said it at the you, very beginning. We said it at the very that, beginning. That's how many times. How many times have we come on here and been like, "Oh, this offense, this offense." Reverse the curse. Troy Taylor comes out and says, "Oh, iPhone offense," and we all bought it. Yo, Fernando, <laughs> we got to reverse the curse of our fan base. Now I, I'm gonna go on a little. I'm gonna go on a little sidebar here. Well, we haven't already, <laughs> because there are so many in this fan base that are afraid of the expectations that this team is getting right now. I don't get it. I don't live it get up. It. Enjoy it. Why be afraid that your team is potentially being talked about as a top ten, top fifteen team in the playoffs, Rose Bowl bound? What is wrong with that? Why would you not want your team talked about that year in and year out? Because they don't want the team down south and their fans to rip on us if we don't achieve it. That's what it's based around. Guess what? Yes. Is there a good chance we do not go to the Rose Bowl? We do not play for a playoff? Yes, because this is college football, and anything can happen, and we you see it year in and year out. Well, eleven of the twelve teams aren't going to the Rose Bowl. Yeah, so, so 
Yes, could we all be disappointed? But would you rather, as a fan, sit at home and be like, oh, I don't know, I think we're pretty average this year, and just hope to be surprised every year? It's a good point, and it's something that, you know, I know I've talked with people, you know, at work and, and whatnot, just about the level of excitement there is right now um, among the fan base. So it is exciting, and Ryan and I, you talked about it on the last podcast, it, it's better to be talked about as a potential playoff team and and have those expectations than not be mentioned at all. Well, it's you, a good problem to you're have. You're absolutely right. But, and I think, and I mentioned the team down south, not their fans not are making fun of us if we don't meet that potential. However, you flip that just a little bit, that same team down south, how many times year after year after year have they been, have they hyped up their team and been let down? I think I think there's a there's this mental block there. We we just can't we can't we're, we just I, think I, we're not I, good enough. I get enough. it. I get it. Right. We don't want to be like that. But at the end of the day, who cares if BYU wants to make fun of oh, us? I don't care. I personally, I don't care. I mean, live it up. This is awesome. This. I mean, we're being talked about as one of the elite teams in college football. What fan base? Should, I mean, we should be drooling over this, and and I know plenty are, and uh, and I get it, right? To an extent, yeah, we don't want to be left disappointed, but the, y- you get on this train and you enjoy this every dang time you can. So, two of the biggest preseason polls have been released, top fifteen in both of them. You've got you've got to enjoy that, and at the end of the day. If you're if if you if your team's expected just to be average, what's the likelihood that you're going to be able to climb up high enough and make it to the co- college playoff? You have to start at this level. That's a great point. And then produce to be the big boy, to get the attention, to be considered one of those elite teams, and to actually play for the title. If you're if you're picked to finish eighth in your conference, but then you go out and have a great season. Sure, you had a great season, but it's not going to be enough to get you where you want. You've got to start high enough now, and then you got to go still and and show up and produce. But yes, we could be staring heartbreak right in the right in the face. But who cares? Bring it on, year in and year out. And as a fan base, we've got to figure out that this is a good thing. I'm not, and I'm not saying Utah is on the same level, but how many Michigan fans, how many Ohio State fans, how many Clemson fans, Alabama fans, just think, oh man, we're ranked number one again. This would suck if we don't win the championship. You can't, you can't go in with that attitude. Nope. And you know what? Okay, yes, I did, and I just said this. Anything can happen in college football, but as I look at this team. With what they've accomplished in the past, all the upgrades, all the experience, the depth, I don't see I don't see them falling I don't see them falling on their face. Sure, could they lose a couple close games and uh, and maybe miss out by by a game or so to play for the Rose Bowl? Sure. That's very possible, extremely possible. But this team is not is not going to max out at 7 wins this year. They are too good. There's too much talent. You look at the schedule. This schedule is so That's what I was gonna favorable. Bring up. This the schedule is made for them. And with, with no back to backs, ton of home games, it's set up. It's set up perfectly. I 
to me, yes, am I a homer? You bet I you bet I am. I don't see the ceiling less than nine wins. That's if things go wrong. Honestly. And maybe I'll be eating my word. I think I think we're staring at eleven eleven wins in the face. According to Brett from pick six, eleven wins gets us in the playoffs. And and you, you, you almost have to plan for the one stupid game where we just don't show up and we lose to somebody that we shouldn't. A Cal. A Washington State again. Better not be Oregon State this year. <laughs> or Arizona State for that matter. But you know, it's bound to happen unless you're just elite of the elite. And we'll see if we'll see if we're that if we're at that point this year. All right, so let's uh, can continue on kind of our, our breakdown. Uh, let's jump into the O-line. A lot of question marks with this one. Uh, when it, The team went out and, and got some transfers coming in. Noah Myers from Wazoo and Alex Loxler uh, from Marshall. Uh, Scott's boy, Bam Pam Tunican, isn't in camp yet. Tomorrow's a big day. S- still working some stuff out. Or no, Tuesday. Tuesdays, the, or excuse me, Wednesdays. The the so depending on arrival. when this podcast comes out, um, hopefully Bam's in camp. Uh, just got to finish up some um, junior college stuff, some um, grades for that. Nervous about O line for you guys? Yeah, I think there's some concerns. Uh, I, I think there's definitely some concerns if Bam does not show up, or if he shows up and he's not ready to go. Whether that's being out of shape, whether that's just not maybe picking up the offense like he needs to. But I think if he shows up, you got your two tackles in Darren Paulo and Bam, and you've got your center in Orlando Umana. So it's really down to your two guards. Now, if Bam is a tackle, I think that slides Nick Ford back into one of those guard spots, and then, and then uh, probably Braden uh, Daniels is your other guard. So I think there's so much that's in place if Bam shows up. If he doesn't, then Nick Ford slides back out to tackle, and uh, you're you're you got some unknown at the guard spot. Well, even if Bam shows up on schedule, he still has the acclimation period. He's got to wait uh, before he can fully practice. So we're I mean, if if he's on schedule, we're not looking until the last week of camp until he's participating and and that's a real question mark is that enough that would give him what so he'd have one one week of camp and one week of uh of game prep right so he'd have two weeks before the first game so that's that's the question is is he ready physically yeah, I, who knows if he'll be ready and it, he's got a lot he'll have a lot to learn i will tell you what <laughs> after watching uh Last chance you. Uh, last chance you. I don't have a lot of confidence in any junior college player. <laughs> I was going to say because Bam was in it. Bam was in it, but you see, you see how some of those dudes are, and it's amazing any of them make it to D one football. <laughs> All right, let's kind of keep this train rolling as we go to our last position group: wide receivers. Britton Covey coming off uh, ACL um, injury in the Pac twelve championship game. It's been really interesting seeing Covey. Uh, obviously, practices are off limits for us, but watching him come off the field, how the brace that he's been wearing has gotten smaller and smaller. Uh, and that's not a joke because he's a smaller player, but it seems like they are being very cautious 
of 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 his injury and getting him back uh, to full speed. But which it's they an, should it's, be. Yes, but it's an it's it's great and an improvement to see that each practice it's what whatever's holding his knees getting it's less restrictive. I mean, I, from from my standpoint, I, I'd love to see him play against BYU, but that's not the goal. In my mind, the goal is the Pac-12. And if he's not ready to go, don't. There's enough depth at wide receiver to get through those first three games without him. Yeah, I'd agree. I I I think unless they're 100 percent certain he's good to go, I think you I think you hold him out um, and make sure he's ready for USC in game one of the Pac-12. You know, and 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 Jalen Dixon is more than capable to step up and start in the slot, um, but. I, I, I am interested, and I'd kind of like to have uh, maybe a little discussion on who who's going to be the leading receiver out of this group this year. Because I really hope it's not Britton Covey. It shouldn't be. It should be one of the outside guys. Well, it should be. And I just, I have a problem when, a, as good as Britton is, having a guy that's that small be your leading receiver yeah, part- year in and year out. Part of the that was part of the problem. He got so banged up last year. As I think Huntley keyed on him a lot. Well, he got he he helped Huntley out a ton. Anytime Huntley was in trouble, he knew he could throw it out to Covey. And he nearly killed Covey a few times, especially against Washington early in the season. And then you get beat up that point of the season, you're never going to be healthy the rest of the way. And and granted, yes, it's football. Anything can happen, and, and all of these guys are going to deal with with those types of things. But my hope is that Britain is not the priority for for the secondary and for the defense that we face each week and week out. Is that you've got to have some guys that step up. We've been saying this for years. Yes, we have a, a wide receiver by committee, but at some point somebody's got to break through. You have to have somebody step up and actually do something to take some pressure off Covey. And and allow him to flourish a little bit more. Well, you've you've got to use all of your weapons. You've got to make the defense respect every player out there. You can't let you can't let them sag off one guy because oh, they never throw to this guy. It's it's always a decoy, and then they double cover Covey or whoever else. The, these receivers have got to make sure that they are being covered every single play. Well, and the thing is, if if Covey is your leading receiver as he was last year you're not stretching the field as much as you can no no right and 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 that's one thing that the benefit of having a zach moss and that running game is getting guys in the box so the defense is more up around the line of scrimmage and you can hit those big plays you know those those passes that go for 15 plus yards and if covey is your leading score or leading receiver you're really limiting what you at your big plays and your potential for big plays solomon enos and brian thompson those should be the guys that's my opinion i think those two are the they're the key well we've been waiting on uh, we've been waiting on uh, brian thompson for a number of years now and it's it's his injury bug has held has held him back and Jalen Dixon stepped. I mean, Jalen Dixon ended up last year as the second leading receiver um, with 589 yards behind Covey, 32 catches, second behind Covey. He kind of came out of nowhere last year as the deep threat, as a pretty small guy. 
So he's got to continue to 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 make some strides. Samson Nakua's got to get make some strides. But yeah, you have to have a, a Solomon Ennis or you have to have a Brian Thompson be the guy this year. And kind of along with, with wide receivers, let's just throw tight ends in there to kind of round out the position group. So Jake Jackson retired uh, to pursue a career outside of football. Kind of seems like that's the flavor of the offseason. But Cole Fotheringham getting a lot of attention. He's made a watch list for tight ends. You have uh, Brant Keithy coming back. Uh, he's put on about 20 pounds since last season to really help his blocking scheme. Scott, you mentioned it earlier with, with Ludwig. I, really, I think the tight ends got forgotten about a lot in the iPhone offense with Taylor, and I think Ludwig is going to kind of bring them more out into the forefront. So you've got these three guys, Keithy, Thedford, and Fotheringham. You've got to utilize them, and it goes back to my point of utilizing every player on the field. Make every position be accounted for, and tight, you got to use tight end. I like a tight end. Hopefully Ludwig does too. So as we go in, we'll wrap up the show with our breakout players of the year on offense. I threw it up on Twitter today, and it kind of seems like a lot of people, it's kind of a toss-up between Solomon, Fotheringham, um, I've seen some Brian Thompsons. So I really appreciate everyone, kind of their feedback on it. It's, you know, it's always great to get have that interaction on Twitter, and you can always, you know, hit me up at Utah Man Podcast. So, Ryan, we'll go with you. Who is your breakout player of the year on offense? This is tough. There's a few guys that I've been thinking about, but I think ultimately I'm I'm going to go with Brian Thompson. I think you know, Scott kind of alluded to the fact that he's had some some injury issues over his career and really hasn't had an opportunity, but there's there's uh, a lot of potential there, and uh, this is his year. He's my guy. So when I'm looking for my offensive breakout player of the year, I think you can go a lot of directions with this with this offense. There's a lot of guys that we've talked a lot about potential, um, but necessarily haven't seen it at that next level. Um, but for me, I'm going to kind of go with what people are going with on Twitter. I'm going to agree with them. I think Cole Fotheringham, not only does he got a cool name, he's got a sweet hair that's nice, long-flowing, um, but I think he's really going to step into where uh, Jake Jackson was uh, was penciled in as a starter. But I think Fotheringham's really going to seize that opportunity, and we're going to see a tight end get a lot of action this year with Ludwig. I, I I would I would hope he is the breakout player um, because I think he's got he's got so much ability, and if we're uting, utilizing a tight end that effectively, I think this offense will be pretty potent. So I, 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 I would love to see him kind of be the breakout player. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Ryan on the wide receiver position. But and this may be a little borderline, because we all know his name and we know his hair. Simpkins, come on, Scott. No. I'm not choosing the best wide receiver in the country. <laughs> Self proclaimed best wide receiver. No, I'm I'm going I'm gonna go with Nakua. I think Nakua you know, we're all expecting Ennis to take that step or Brian Thompson. Naku is kind of that steady Eddie. And I, I think uh, now that he's got some uh, some time under his belt and some experience, I think he he has the ability to be the guy in the passing game. Tyler Huntley likes him. So that's that's I'm going with I'm going with Nakua and his green hair. 
so those are our offensive breakout players. Um, I do want to give a big shout out um, to our, our good friend, Cy. You can follow him on Twitter at the big C-A-U-T. Um, he has helped us immensely um, going up and helping get interviews. Um, and you can catch those on iTunes and on our, on our home. Um, and he gave a breakout player. He's saying TJ Green. I like it. I think TJ Green's got a lot of potential, so that, that's a good one. Uh, and again, you know, we'd want to hear more about who you think will be offensive and even defensive um, breakout players. You can hit us up at Utah Man Podcast on Twitter. Ryan, where can people find you online? At Drum and Feather. Drum, the letter N, Feather. Scott? Uh, Ute Man underscore forever. Remember to subscribe to us and follow us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, at our home, Utah Man Podcast. And go Utes. Go Utes. Go Utes. We'll be telling We're good. Let's cut it. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are their own and are no way affiliated with the University of Utah.